What's up, party people? Hey, all right. Woohoo, somebody's awake. All one of you. No, I'm just kidding. Good to see all of you. You know what? That is the first time I have ever heard anybody pray that we would chill out. That. Oh, you're going to be hearing that one again. I'm telling you, that was good. That was good. That's right. Okay, so speaking of party people, um, got, a, got a couple things I want to talk about real quick before I get rolling. Ne- next week is our sixth birthday, right? Actually, the truth, truth is um, uh, we're about seven years old, but we celebrate six years that we've actually been meeting weekly. And so that happened the first week in October, six years ago. And so we're going we're gonna to do that. So we've got some things planned here, okay? And then there's a picnic afterwards, okay? And then on the 9th of October, we start uh, kids' ministry with elementary school. So we've been doing little kids, but now we're going to do elementary school starting on the 9th. Okay, now, here's the thing. If you have friends who have kids of elementary age, by all means, invite them to the picnic, okay? And they can kind of you know, eat lots of food because, you know, we're really good at that. Eating lots of food and that kind of thing. We, we, most churches do a good job, but we are particularly skilled at this endeavor, okay? So, by all means, invite them. But then let them know that there is elementary school um, uh, kids' ministry available for them starting on the night. So, keep that in mind. It's a great opportunity this time of year to invite your friends to come and hang out with us. <clears throat> um, uh, I got a text message from Sophia, our kids' ministry director, I don't know, it was a couple of days ago, in all capital letters, okay? So she's shouting at me, right? All capital letters, I can hardly wait to start! I'm like, awesome, that's really great. So anyway, so there's a lot of excitement back there. Um, I, I, there's just some cool things that are going on. So we're going we're gonna to party um, for the next couple of, couple of weeks. Uh, keep that one in mind. Um, we got lots to celebrate. Lots to celebrate. Of course, we talked about that last week. Uh, somebody in my small group got a little carried away at our small group time, brought in Dealey Bobber's party hats and horns. That was interesting. Very interesting. So, um, and I know she's watching, so thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so. Our series is called Party People, um, and I'm trying to make the case that the way we love God collectively, the way we love God as a group, is, is best done in celebration. We're trying to celebrate the things that God has done, the things that God is doing, and the things that God will do. You know, we're trying to celebrate Him. And, and what I tried to argue last week is that it's not what we get out of Sunday morning, it's what we bring to Sunday morning. Now, one of the things that I noticed um, this week in particular, uh, everybody was kind of congregated out front, and they were, you know, talking, and I was like, yeah, that, that's, that looks like a party to me. I, I like that. It's, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. When we're trying to gather together, and uh, before we come in here to have that kind of conversation and whatnot. Now, <clears throat> I, want to, I, want to, I want to say something here because I need to confess so I can preach, okay? So I'm going to confess. So didn't I just last week talk about 
what you bring, not what you get out. Did, did I not say that? Okay, I'm, uh, I, it's in my notes, so I know that I did it, but, but the point is, and hopefully, you know, you can all bear witness to this. So, <clears throat> during this week, um, Oral Roberts University is having their fall revival, and uh, so I went with my daughter on Wednesday night to, uh, to go check this out. It, it, was, it was crazy cool, all right, and a lot of things that were going on. It was, um, it, it's not something that I knew what to expect because it's a different tradition than, than the one that I grew up in, um, but it was definitely energetic and it was very interesting. But I noticed something a few minutes into it, I found myself a little detached um, and kind of watching how things happen. Now, I'm, I'm the first to admit, when you're a church planner, it kind of ruins you to go to other churches because you kind of see the mechanics of how everything happens. And, and I, I just found myself kind of sitting there um, observing all of what was, what was going on. Now, I didn't feel the fervor that other people were feeling in that particular moment. Now, I want to be careful when I say this. Truth or facts don't care about my feelings, okay? So the fact of the matter was the Holy Spirit was there, the Holy Spirit was active, even though I might not have been feeling it like everyone else. Do you hear me? Now that is a really important thing. But he was there. So I didn't necessarily feel like the others. And I had a few moments over the last couple of days to sort of reflect on this, and it dawned on me. When I walked into that, that facility, I didn't bring my celebration. I brought my evaluation. And the fact of the matter is, I'm the one who missed out. I missed out on that. Now, did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I get some gems? Oh, yeah. I got some stuff written down. But when I see how everybody was responding to what was going on, and me sitting there going, mm, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. It's like, hmm. That's my heart. That's not what's going on in the room. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, didn't you just preach about this? Preacher, preach to yourself. Lesson taken. And I don't want to miss out on anything in the future, and more importantly, I don't want you to miss out on anything that God might be up to. And so I think we need to talk about it. And, and what I thought we might do today a little bit is, is to really dig into this idea of how do you celebrate? I mean, think about that for a moment. We, we toss that word around. We talk about celebrating and partying certainly means a whole very different things than it used to, right? I mean, language changes, and, but how do you actually celebrate? Now, my guess is there's going to be some common themes if you know, we're kind of taking a poll around the room, w one of which... Um, is that your celebration probably includes food of some type, right? We're just talking about this. You know, there's certain things. Like whenever we have some uh, celebration, we typically like to go out for our favorite food, right? You either go like for steak or maybe you like pizza or whatever, um, that kind of a thing. I remember um, um, we had some friends in seminary, and on... Uh, uh, each kid on their birthday, they were allowed to choose their own favorite box of cereal that none of the other kids could eat. That's a big deal when you have, you know, a couple brothers and sisters, right? Some friends of ours. So they had special birthday cereal. So celebrations typically involve food. Um, 
Other times, uh, it in involves beverages, adult or otherwise, <laughs> right? But you celebrate typically with a beverage. Um, in our church in Wisconsin, there was a, um, a woman who was part of, part of our congregation who had this special Christmas punch. And um, it was like a big deal. She only made it one time a year, and it was typically for some type of a church event. And, and um, um, everybody raved over it, and they looked forward to it. Around here at Christmas time, we do kind of a hot chocolate thing on, on Christmas Eve. And I look forward to that every, every single year. So when we celebrate, oftentimes it is a beverage. Um, entertainment, that's the other thing. We have some type of entertainment. So usually music, but it could be some other things. Um, a few years ago, uh, one of our staff members had a, had a birthday, and uh, we were over at Dan and Gina's house, and... Um, <laughs> Our staff member really liked the, the Tulsa-based band Hanson. Do you know who Hanson is? Some of you have heard me tell this story before. And, uh, and Dan, being the good host that he was at his house, turned on one of the Spotify channels that just played Hanson, a lot of Hanson. And I, I made an observation as I was looking around the table that our staff member and the wives of some of our staff members were singing every lyric to every single song. I didn't even know what these songs were. I know Mbop and some of the Christmas carols. The rest of it, I have no idea. And they're all just kind of singing along with it. And, and Dan said, yeah, had I listened to Hanson in high school, I would have gotten beaten up because he lived in Detroit. You just didn't listen to Hanson in Detroit, okay? And I thought for a minute, you know, we're celebrating, we're having a good time, and I don't understand this music, because had I listened to Hanson, I would have been fired, because I was working at a large company at the time in a cube farm. So all of a sudden, I got to be that guy in the room. And I'm like, okay, I can celebrate with you, but I have no idea what music you're listening to. So music is usually a part of our celebration in some way, or some type of entertainment. There might be something else. But the other thing that we do, uh, and I would argue that the, the main thing that we actually do when we celebrate is we remember, don't we? We remember something. Anyway, I came up with this. Guys, hit the lights. I want, I want them to see this. Watch this for a second. Mm. 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 Hi, Mom. September 8th, 1952. We're driving back from your Aunt Marcia by water breaks. Your father jumps the divider of the Sawmill River Parkway and races me to Doctor's Hospital. And <laughs> at 5.16, out you came. Oh, happy birthday, darling. Oh, here's your father. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm losing feeling in my left leg. Here's your mother. Don't worry. He's fine. So, what are you going to do now, birthday boy? Well, I thought I'd lie here another three and a half hours and then go to work. Is Barbara with you? No, she's working the streets and she likes to have breakfast with a pimp. She should be in around 7.30. Hi, Mom. Give my boy a kiss. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe my baby's 39 years old. <laughs> bye, Mom. Oh, bye. Angel birthday boy. 
All right, so how many of you do that with your kids? You call them up and recount the story about how it happened, right? Yeah, or how many of you still have your parents calling you and telling you what it is? But look, case in point, mom's remembering everything that happened. And I don't know why this is, but moms remember that stuff, right? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But it's true. One of the things that we do every time we celebrate is to remember something. Um, Birthdays, anniversaries, victories, holidays, we remember those things. And what we do is we tell stories to remember. And sometimes the details get a little convoluted, but that's okay. Because the essence of the story is the same, and it's true. And and very often when we remember, it takes a couple of different forms. The first thing we do is we recall something that they've said. Somebody said something funny, or somebody said something profound. Um, My dad had certain sayings, and uh, um, oftentimes when I am texting with my cousin, um, a saying of one of our dads would come up, and if it's my dad, one of us will text the words, Thus saith David Rex. That was my dad's name, David Rex. And, and so we recall the things that he said. And it's, it's fun to do that. We remember that. We celebrate him and, and some of the, the wisdom that he had. And, and you've got people like that too. There are certain things that you recall, that you remember. Um, I, I, I remember when, I'm going to have to pay her money for this later, but I remember one time uh, we celebrate this very often in our house, but um, Elizabeth was probably four or five years old and she was sitting in the back seat of the car and we were driving somewhere and Lisa asked her a question and uh, um, there was just silence. And I, I said, I said, did you hear your mom? And there was this little pause again and then all of a sudden in her quiet little voice she says, and there was no reply from the little girl. It was hysterically funny, and we are like, what? And, but anyway, but we remember these things, and we celebrate them because it brought us joy, or it brought us wisdom, or it brought us uh, to the point of reflection, whatever it happens to be. We remember, we recall what people have said. The other thing that we might do is we might mimic or repeat something that they actually did. You know, maybe there's a, a particular ritual in your family that you do um, on holidays. When you're celebrating, you have, we, we call them traditions, right? Where there are certain things that you do. Your, your family has some, I know, because I've, I've talked to you about them. Um, my, my mom had a friend uh, who lived in um, her apartment complex, and uh, he, he um, was a smoker, and unfortunately he passed away, but all of his friends would grab a cigarette, and they would go out to this designated smoking area, and they're like, we're going to smoke one for Buck. And it's like, after about three years, you're like, hold on a second. (laughs) You know, maybe there's something else at play here. But the point is, is that to remember their friend, they did this particular type of activity, right? And, And you have those too. We have these traditions. We have things that we do. We mimic or repeat something over and over because it reminds us of something that's really good or somebody that we appreciate or something that happened that, you know, tickled our funny bone, whatever it happens to be. 
And also, not only do we um, you know, recall what they said or mimic something they did, we recount their activities. And we, we talk about what they've, what they've done. You have a favorite memory, and one of the things that you'll say is, and, and it, this is always a precursor, do you remember when dot, 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 fill in the blank? That's the easy one. We, we, we remember what people did or how they acted or something that happened on a certain event. I remember we were celebrating Eliana's, I think it was her first, maybe it was her second birthday, and she was sitting in her high chair, and we were getting ready to bring out the cake, <coughs> and uh, there was probably maybe seven, eight, nine people standing in this room, all staring at her, and she looked up and she went around the room and she saw that everyone was staring at her and began to cry because she did not want to be the center of attention that way, apparently. But we remember the thing that she did because it was cute and, and yet we made her feel bad. And I'm pretty sure that I need to create a therapy fund for my kids <laughs> because of <laughs> the stuff that you know we've done. But memory is part and parcel to our celebration, and even if we don't have all of the details exact, we still have the feeling. We still have that thing deep inside of us that we remember, that we recall, that we want to relive for whatever reason. And I've been thinking about this an awful lot, um, especially as it relates to the idea of what we do here on Sunday morning. Because this idea of remembering is threaded throughout the Bible. I mean, Case in point, one of the things that Jesus did before he um, was arrest, arrested and crucified, he was spending time with his disciples, and he gives them this little ritual. We do it every, every month, right? And what he says is, do this in remembrance of me. So even Jesus told us, you need to remember, this is a pivotal moment in not just your lives, but the lives of every human being on earth, this is a big deal. And he says, remember, remember. And in the Old Testament too, God told Israel to remember. And so there's repeated stories and there's repeated phrases over and over again. This idea of remembering. And there's one particular phrase that I think is repeated dozens of times in the Old Testament, and here it is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. It's a simple statement declaring what the Lord has done. Uh, you Bible scholars will know that this, is the, uh, or that this precedes the Ten Commandments, which we find in Exodus 20. In fact, it starts in the very next verse, if I remember correctly. Now, <clears throat> I want to do a little sidebar here because I think this is interesting, and you, you probably should know this. There are three places in the Old Testament where... Um, the covenant that God makes with his people um, occurs that we can read about. One is Exodus 20 through 24, right here. The other one is the entire book of Deuteronomy, and the third one is Joshua chapter 24. And so we see this covenant. Now here's what's really, really interesting, at least it is to me. There is a form and a structure in each of those passages that is not only common in the Old Testament, it is common in the ancient Near East. We find the same structure in Hittite, yeah, I said it, Hittite uh, treaties. 
So if you know the ancient Near East, the modern day uh, country of Turkey was the center of the Hittite Empire. And so documents have been uncovered from that ancient civilization that bear a striking resemblance to the covenants in the Old Testament. Okay? It had some typical features. One is that there was some type of historic introduction. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's a historic introduction. Then there's some type of stipulation and boundaries. There's witnesses that are called upon. And there's usually um, an ending that includes blessings and curses. Because you can't have a treaty without curses, right? But we run these things in parallel, and those two things line up with each other. We see this in the ancient Near East. Now, am I just telling you this for historical interest? No, not really, because you two can look it up. Don't be impressed, okay? But what I think is important here is that treaties between lords and noblemen had a particular form, and that's what God chose to speak to create a relationship with his people. In other words, God chose to talk to his people in a way that they would understand. And if he chose that type of form and structure that would have been common in the ancient Near East to speak to his people He's going to talk to you in a way that you're going to understand. Does that make sense? So keep that in mind whenever we read these types of things. It's not for no reason. The history of Israel is rooted in God's activity to free Israel from slavery. So God repeats it over and over so that they remember. And by the way, Your history is rooted in God freeing you from slavery. We call that salvation from sin. It's why Jesus said, remember whenever you celebrate communion. Does this make sense? The remembering, the repetition helps instill some important ideas into Israel, into their DNA, into their very culture. And and I want to talk about just a couple of those. So here we find it in Leviticus chapter 19. do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah, an honest hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. So an ephah is a um, a, um, dry measurement, and hin is a liquid measurement. And if you're interested in these kinds of things, because I am... um, a dry or an ephah is about about five gallons, powder or wheat or something like that, and a hen is approximately um, a gallon, about four liters, just so that you know. But notice how this is couched. Use honest scales. Why? Because I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. And so the idea here is, I didn't bring you out for no reason. I didn't bring you out of slavery so that you could go and cheat other people, to enslave them with your treachery. In, in other words, do business and life with some integrity. Does this make sense? But it's all couched in the fact that God brought them up out of Israel, 
Here's another encouragement. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 19. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. That God, the one that you saw with the plagues and the whole, you know, the frogs and the blood and the whatever and the flies and whatnot. Yeah, that one, that's the one who brought you up out of that particular land. What are you afraid of? <laughs> yeah. And if that weren't enough, he goes on later on in chapter 20. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Again, what are you afraid of? And so here we've got... Um, this idea that's trying to be baked into their culture to live with courage. If the Lord delivered you from the superpower of the time, Egypt, don't worry about anyone else. You've got nothing to be concerned about. So be courageous. But all again, couched in this fact that God himself brought them up out of the land of slavery. And finally, consider this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. And remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, what's this all saying? We have three verses over and over again that talks more about this idea that you were slaves and now you are no longer slaves. What does that speak to? I would contend that he's saying, this is where you came from. This is what God has done. Remember your identity. You are not that anymore. You are no longer a slave. You are something else. You can stand high and strong. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a whole lot better. I can live in that new identity because, because of what God has done. And this gets passed down from generation to generation as they recount this and they repeat it and they remember over and over again. If you and I were to, to go to a, uh, a synagogue today, there's a very good chance we would hear some of the same things. Very good chance of it. Because the rabbi reminds his people, this is who you were, this is who you are now. And this is what God has done. Now, there's more than what I've listed here, but, but I think all of this makes a pretty big point. We are strengthened when we remember God in our celebration. We're strengthened by it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need that strength. There are moments where I, I really, I need it an awful lot. There's an old term for all this. It's called testimony. The word of our testimony is a powerful thing because when we tell the story, when we recount the work, when we testify to what God has done, God gets the credit 
and others have hope. God gets the credit for all the things that occurred when we testify to what he's done, but it provides hope for other people, and here's the reason why. Because if God is willing to do that for you, maybe God is willing to do that for me, and I need that. I need to be reminded that there's a God who brought people up out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I need to be reminded of that. I need to know what he's done in your life because if you've got some type of testimony that the Holy Spirit began to do work inside your heart or inside your relationships or inside your finances or inside your career or whatever it happens to be, that means there's hope for me in all my mess and all my foolishness. I need to hear that. I need to hear that from other people. God gets the credit, but other people, they get hope. Now, it's interesting to me, because I think we need to talk about this too. Sometimes when we remember things by ourselves, we have this tendency to only remember the bad things. Ah, you're laughing. That's happened to you, huh? For whatever reason, I only remember the bad stuff, right? Especially when I'm by by myself. the negative moments, the stuff that we're not so proud of and our insecurities. Ever happened to you? Like tape recordings that play over and over in your head. For That's when the enemy steps in and he applies something called shame. Not just any shame, toxic shame. That's the moment when you start remembering all the bad things that occurred and you realize that maybe um, you're not all that in a bag of chips. And then it's not a big jump to say, well, not only am I not a bag of chips, I'm not sure I even belong on the table. And I'm not good enough. And I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not strong enough. And it's this constant refrain, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. And what happens when shame is allowed that foothold, that voice, that tape to play over and over again, it shuts us down, doesn't it? Keeps us from engaging. Keeps us off the field. And frankly, it just plain weakens us. Notice how when we are remembering what the Lord has done, it strengthens us. But when we remember our shame, it weakens us. See the difference? So, here's the challenge for this week. Because you need a challenge. You need to rise to the challenge because I believe in you. Do you believe in you? Yes, you should. Here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to do. One time this week. I want you to testify to someone else about what the Lord has done for you. Now, here's the cool thing. You can do that after church on Sunday. You can do that after church right here because you've got a whole lot of people who would be delighted to hear that story. You can do that if you want to. Uh, you can do it somewhere else if you want. And, and please understand, it, 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 there's no hype to this. This can be real low-key. I mean, unless you want it to be, you know, a big deal. That's, that's fine. 
But sometimes I think the most profound moments is when I'm talking to someone and they're like, yeah, well, I just really felt like the Lord was dot, dot, dot. Huh. That's interesting. Very low key. Not a whole lot of fanfare to it, but just simple statement. This is what God has done. This is the thing that I've observed about him. This is what he's helped me with or assisted me with. And, and the idea when you testify is not what happened to you, but rather the work that God has done. Here's what he told me. This is what I learned through, through this thing, and this is what I think God was trying to communicate to me through all of this. So tell someone here, Encourage your brothers and sisters because remember, God gets the credit, but everybody around you gets strengthened. Especially if they're already believers because they already know that there's a God who loves them and and if he's going to do that for you, then he's going to do that for me and that's encouraging. But ultimately speaking, what we're attempting to do is to celebrate the goodness of God. Now look, every Sunday when we gather together, And we open up the word, right? We open up the Bible and we read a story we're remembering. That's testimony. Preaching by its very nature is testimony. Testifying to what God has done, not just in ancient Israel, but hopefully the things that that people are seeing in their own congregation and in their own lives and in their own communities. And hopefully we're seeing all of those things too. And here's the, here's the, oh, here's the diagnostic. If you don't have anything to testify about, what does that tell you? I'm not trying to condemn you for it. Because I'll tell you one thing. You can always testify to the fact that you're breathing that you get up in the morning, that you have something to do during the day. There's always something that you can find to testify. Always something that you can testify about. So make that your challenge this week. Course of a conversation. Oh, by the way, I don't think it can be your spouse. That's not fair. But find somebody that you can testify to. Just say something really. Yeah, I think God's doing this. That's cool. You're testifying. Allow God to get credit for the things that he's doing in your life so that you can strengthen others. Do you benefit from it? Of course you do. But so does the people around you. And that, to me, sounds like the kingdom of God. Because I need to be encouraged, and so do you from time to time. Let's pray. Jesus, you're good to us. You're holy. We get to gather together every Sunday. Not only do we get to do this um, regularly, we get to do it with a whole lot of freedom. We are grateful for all of that. And Lord, you have done so many good things for us. I just want to testify to those whether I read it in your scripture or whether I hear it from the the, um, mouths of your people, I recognize that you're getting credit and the rest of us are getting strengthened. Let us be a people who testify regularly and, and energetically so that others can understand just how good you actually are. And I just pray for every person here, two things. One, 
Lord, I pray that they would begin to see your work in their lives, that you would sensitize their spirit to your spirit so they can see you at work, that they might testify. But Lord, at the same time, I also also pray against the shame. Those moments when we don't focus on the work that you do and we tend to focus on our own insecurities, God, I pray that you would shut that down with your Holy Spirit and you would whisper to their spirit that they are children of God and that's their identity and they can stand up straight and walk in that reality. And then that moment that they can testify to your goodness because in that moment when I needed him most, he spoke to me. So the voice of shame, I say, be silent in the name of Jesus. You have no business here. And as we sing once again, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and do the ministry, do the work that only Holy Spirit can do. Holy Spirit, you're always welcome here. You know that. We invite you to be here. And Lord, there's a little part of me. I expect you to be here because this is your house. This is your church. You're the leader of it. I just get to be an associate. So whatever you want to to do today, whatever you want to say, to speak to the hearts of these people, I just pray that we'd be so receptive to it. And we're going to thank you and we're going to testify to your goodness over and over again. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.